1: Together in this podcast series, we will go underground to explore cutting-edge health and human performance insights that you simply cannot search on Google to help you upgrade your existence. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode. What's up, fam? Lucas here. I want to take a moment to announce a couple of things to all my new listeners on the podcast. Firstly, if you're looking to upgrade your brain function, whether that be through reducing brain fog, enhancing verbal fluency, improving confidence, motivation, drive, or even orgasm intensity, then check out my nootropics course, which can be found on my website at www.ergogenic.health. And you'll see at the top, it will say courses where you can use the discount code BYB15 to save 15% off. In addition, I also have a sleep optimization masterclass and a testosterone optimization course that can also be accessed on my website. Again, you can use the same discount code BYB15 to save 15% off. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another Boost Your Biology podcast. Today, I am super excited because we are talking about what I would consider to be a very revolutionary anti-aging supplement known as spermidine. and I'm joined in with someone who has done relentless amounts of research on this particular molecule, and has an interesting background in health herself. So Leslie, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks very much, Lucas. Really appreciate you giving me the chance to chat with
1: you. Awesome. So Leslie, do you wanna give my listeners a bit of a a background about your story and yeah, how you you came about discovering spermidine?
0: So my background um, really starts with my health, my own health journey. I had started an online matchmaking company in China and India and things were going great guns. I was venture capital backed, uh, had a lot of attention. Uh, We were definite pioneers in the market and uh, doing great deals with the Chinese government, with the Japanese government all around, uh, not just matchmaking, but a lot of content around love, relationships, and sex, and as a you know, mid 30 year old, it was great fun to be doing something like this. However, I really was burning the candle at both ends. And I think a lot of viewers can relate to that because we often, when we're that age, we just feel superhuman and we just push it, right? You know, work hard, play hard, that's the ethos. So you've just got to bring it again and have coffee and other nootropics to get you to do these things. But the body, you know, just like that Bessel vendor cult book says the body does indeed keep the score. So by the age of 39, which is the same age that my own father died, I was diagnosed with uh, with several autoimmune conditions. And I had that experience with the doctor where they call you on the phone and they say, your results are in, but they don't give them to you. They just say, Could you please come in so we can have a chat with you? And you're thinking, uh, that's not a good sign. And so I went in to see my doctor who said that the pain that I'd had in my fingers and my hands uh, was actually um, due to rheumatoid arthritis, but that I also had another illness, which was called lupus, which I'd never, ever heard of before. And I said, right so uh, I don't know what this is, but you you know what are you going to give me for this? And she said, "Well, I'm afraid there is no cure for it." And that I think, as a patient, is not what we expect to hear. We um, are used to having our medical practitioners tell us how to fix us, and not that there is nothing, no option for us whatsoever. And it was at that point that I was really forced to face my mortality because lupus, for me at that time, had a five-year survival rate. And uh, I was sent home a gigantic box of drugs, syringes full of, I can't even remember, I took Enbrel, I took Humira, I took lots of immune suppressants because um, as with, you know, what we're going through right now with this virus, I was perfect at having cytokine storms in my body that would just attack my joints, my organs. And um, at that point, because I had no options, I began to do my own research and I became my own patient advocate. Again, I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I came across a wonderful book by Dr. Barry Sears, and uh, it was called the Zone Anti uh, Inflammation Diet, which I did to a T. Mm-hmm. And I did yoga, I did Mayan uh, massage, I did everything. You know, I was doing Native American. Um, I was uh, creating tinctures from Native American herbs. Honestly, everything I was open to everything. I didn't care as long as it gave me, as long as it gave me a result. That was all that I wanted. Mm. Um, I also did something called uh, uh, intravenous immunoglobulin, which is a traditional allopathic treatment. At the time, it was very cutting edge, and it basically spins out blood plasma from hundreds of people and uh, it has have exosomes. In retrospect, I think that that along with my diet together really was what put me into remission. So when I asked my doctor to please retest me several months later, and she did, she simply looked at my readings and said, oh, well, it must have been a blip and they never ask you really what did you do. Uh, can I can I learn what you did so I can share it with other people? It's never really that. It's just oh well, we must have been wrong, and good for you. So off you go. But of course, as a patient, it's it's pretty profound when you realize that the body has the ability to recover if we can just nudge it to the right space. It can actually repair itself, mm. and that is the Holy Grail, right? That's what what, uh, Ponce de Leon was looking for. That's what uh, the emperors of China were looking for. And that is essentially how I got involved in health. And it wasn't until probably a decade later, by that time I had moved, I was living in Colorado at the time, in Boulder, Colorado. And I moved to Oxford, England And it was here at Oxford that I became familiar with a lot of scientists and I tend to be a chatty person. So I would chat to parents at the school gates and I'd find out, oh, there's some fantastic scientists here and what are they working on? And lo and behold, they were working on stem cells, um, stem cell expansion, uh, circadian rhythm, biology. And it was by meeting these individuals uh, and learning about their discoveries that I came to understand they didn't always like to ask for uh, for financing for their projects. So I offered to help with the fundraising. And uh, while meeting with some of these scientists, I met a an immunologist named Katja Simon. And she had actually held a patent on spermidine and helping with i don't know am i allowed to use the word v-a-c-c-i-n-e-s i'm not sure so i'll spell it out because i know that there are some problems with this and um, the patent had lapsed because she didn't have the money to you know to continue with the patent application. So it's now what we call prior art. It's in the public domain. And I heard that nobody was going to want to try to commercialize this compound because it didn't have a patent. And I thought, Well, that didn't make much sense to me as a patient. I would want to have access to a molecule like this, right? The body doesn't say, oh, I'm not going to use that molecule because it doesn't have a patent attached to it. The body says, if it works for me, it it works. Hmm. And so that is really um, when I learned about spermidine. And the more that I heard about it, Um, the more impressed I was with its potential. But around the same time, I became acquainted with another Oxford University academic, uh, an emeritus uh, professor of physiology named Dennis Noble. And he told me a fascinating tale of... 31,000 year old scrolls that had been written by the court physician to the Japanese emperor in 984. So as a culmination to his career at the Japanese court, he wrote these and three of those 30 scrolls had to do with longevity. One in particular had to do with sexual intimacy and longevity. Now, if we circle back to where I began the story with the online matchmaking, with the love, sex and relationship content in China, with having learned about the ancient Taoist sexual practices way back in my mid thirties. At the time I had gotten the moniker, the Dr. Ruth of China, the high priestess of sex in China, because of all these things that I was trying to just get out as a service to people around sex education. As I was talking to Dennis about this, I realized that the reason why the Taoist had actually dedicated an entire scroll to longevity and sexual practices might have something to do with spermidine. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing that your listeners are going to have a big hint because of the name and spermidine indeed has something to do with sperm it is actually what protects the dna in seminal fluid and that is probably one of the most important jobs in procreation Mm. so everything kind of came full circle dennis and i did more work on this and we realized that yes indeed spermidine um, is produced in uh, seminal fluid and that the, um, the ancient sexual practices where they talk about a man, especially as he gets older, becoming aroused but not actually having emission is the key to longevity. And why would that be? Because retaining that emission means that all of the spermidine that the body has produced in anticipation of the procreative event, all of that, those important molecules created, are then resorbed into the body for the benefit of the body itself. Mm. So um, I haven't gone into the all the things that spermidine is involved in, but... Um, we know that it triggers autophagy. So in 2016, another scientist from Japan, but this one a thousand years after Yoshiori Tamba, the writer of the scrolls, this time uh, Yoshinori Ozumi um, won the Nobel Prize for having discovered the mechanism of action behind autophagy, which is the process of cellular renewal and repair. So inside our cells, we have um, we have proteins, we have mitochondria, um, and basically, you need your cell needs to do housekeeping, and in order to function properly, in order for your mitochondria, which are the powerhouses of the cell, which give you that sense of energy, in order for them to continue to fire properly, they need to be. Ad, in an optimal state, um, but inevitably things get worn out, and parts need to be replaced. Or um, sometimes an entire cell is just too old, and it simply needs to needs to be killed off. So this process of autophagy, cellular renewal, and repair maintains that. and that's why when we're young and we scrape our knee, we're able to repair the body, there is no scar. Um, everything works beautifully. Unfortunately, as we get older and I'm 56, so I'm postmenopausal and uh, you know I'm now in that category of 55 to 65 whenever I do surveys, I can tell you that things don't always repair as they should as we get older. Um, All of our hormones, production of not just reproductive hormones like testosterone, estradiol, progesterone. It's not just those that decline, but things like melatonin decline, thyroid hormone declines. And some of these things can actually be restored um, with or promoted with spermidine uh, in our diets or supplementing. Mm. So that's uh, that's one way. Autophagy is a big help, um, sort of normalization or uh, improvement, let's say improvement of sex hormones and other hormones is one benefit. Um, sleep. Uh, there have been preclinical trials uh, with animals on resetting circadian clocks in older mice so those are quite interesting because sleep is one benefit that clinically um, we have seen, our practitioners have seen, and our customers report that improvement in sleep is one of the first things they notice, and they notice it on their Fitbit, their garments, or their Oura Um And then there are other benefits to heart health, to brain health with cognition, Um and we also know that it helps with the hallmarks of aging. So there is, a, there is a belief that if we could only halt aging, we would be able to prevent the aches and pains and the poor health that accompanies aging. So if you were to ask a 100 year old, do they wanna live another 50 years and they're not in great shape, they would probably say no. And it's the same. We have individuals who are maybe 50 who are diabetic, um, they have high cholesterol, they have other issues. And you ask them, would you like to live another 50 years? And they might actually say, I don't think I want to live that much longer. Mm. But if you ask a 50 year old who is in very good health, do you want to live another 50 years? If we can guarantee that you stay as you are, then yeah, heck yeah, they want to do that, right? Mm. So what's very tantalizing about spermidine is that there has been research on these hallmarks of aging or some people call them the hallmarks of health that allow you to maintain that sense of vitality and youth Mm. and good health and um, there was a wonderful paper published in nature last year that talked about spermidine inhibiting five of the hallmarks of aging so in other words promoting the health in those particular hallmarks but since that time uh, two other papers have come out showing that spermidine can enhance telomere length so that would be a six hallmark and it, it would not surprise me at all if in a very short space of time we discover that it actually inhibits all of them. Mm.
1: Leslie, there's a lot to unpack there. I can't wait to I won't, I'd like to backtrack and um, look at some of the other the key things you mentioned. So the first one about spermidine being present in um, or seminal fluid, it's funny because when you look at the TCM philosophy around um, like ejaculation and, and mm-hmm. you know and um, sexual health and things like that they say that that energy is life force energy. So it yeah. really is starting to make sense. We're seeing now like perhaps this is one of the reasons why um, spermidine is included to promote life force, which is phenomenal.
0: Exactly. So if you if you are a follower of TCM, then you know we talk about qi and that is one of the ways that they actually teach um you teach a man to actually recycle his chi in a sort of circle from the top of the head, down the center line of the body, around the perineum, up the spine and back. And you are breathing into that. I don't know how familiar you are with Taoist breathing or tantric breathing, but you are breathing the chi and you're imagining it circulating around. And at the point of arousal, you're really in a meditative state. But at the point of arousal, um, there are a couple of tricks that you could use, uh, such as pressing on the perineum or having your partner press on the perineum um, for the men to squeeze their buttocks. And that kind of clenching actually will put pressure such that the seminal fluid does not escape. And that is um, the breathing, the clenching of the buttocks and the pressure in the perineum are all things to retain the chi. Mm. And um, you know, when you are when you are performing or you are with your partner and doing tantric sex the way that was originally envisioned, you are in a meditative state. And that meditative state has a benefit as well, because we know that meditation, in particular with another individual, um, where you have eye gaze and you're matching breathing, that actually that itself lengthens telomeres. And it's it's also the same with um, mothers breastfeeding their babies. When mothers are breastfeeding their babies, they have this one-on-one eye gaze with their children. And the wonderful work of Elizabeth Apple and Elizabeth Blackburn at UC San Francisco in California um, on this meditative state actually lengthening telomeres. Um, is fascinating because it would give you then, it would mean that this kind of tantric sex actually, you know, for the man, it's fantastic because you're getting the spermatine back, but you're also lengthening your telomeres through this meditative practice. Mm. So uh, there are a lot of very interesting things about these ancient practices, which we are only now finding have been validated scientifically. Mm. And I think that those are two examples.
1: Yeah, it's amazing, really, just to think of that entire process. So let's sort of delve into Mm. spermidine itself. I want to give my listeners a chance to understand, first of all, said that it's produced in the body, but can we also get it from certain foods as well?
0: Yes, we can. Um, Just to backtrack a little bit, when we're young, about two thirds of our spermidine needs are met by the body. So we manufacture it in our tissues and we also make around a third of it in our gut microbiome. Unfortunately, as I said before, as we get older, our ability to produce certain hormones and other compounds, in particular, spermidine, it drops off dramatically. That means that we need to get it from our diet. And there are some great places where we can get it. Um, Japanese natto is one. So that would be fermented soybeans. And it is considered a delicacy in Japan. Um, In Okinawa, which is one of the Blue Zones, which are famed for their long-lived population, they actually ferment the natto for an entire year, which is a very long time. And um, it actually tastes and is quite different from the traditional natto. Um, after NATO would probably be wheat germ concentrate, and that's where we get primadine, the supplement that my company Oxford Healthman, manufactures. We get it from uh, from wheat germ, and you could get it also from shiitake mushrooms, from peas, from grapefruit. Um, it is in apple. If you are on the carnivore diet, then the place that you should get it would be chicken livers. But unfortunately, the carnivore diet is it does not have a lot um, other than chicken livers. But if you're eating nose to tail, you should be you know that should help. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some examples of where you can get it. Uh, cheddar cheese, right? I'm in the UK and I should say that cheddar cheese is, uh, is also a place to get it. The only thing with cheddar cheese and with natto is that they have anything that's fermented um, will have it. However, they will have high histamine content. Yeah. Right? And we know that allergies, the prevalence of allergies has gone up among the population just seems to keep increasing. And so that may be, there may be a sensitivity issue if you were to overdo it, but I don't know here in the UK, I think lots of people would like to get their spermidine needs met by cheddar cheese.
1: Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, let's, um, let's delve into some of the other things you mentioned earlier on. Um, I'd like to explore, well, one study that I found, um, Uh, exploring the effects of spermidine on hair loss and hair growth.
0: Ah, yeah. So hair is really interesting, and we get so many customers talking to us about both sleep and hair benefits. So um, human hair follicles that have been exposed to spermidine in vitro, so in a Petri dish, um, will after six days of exposure will stay in the antigen or the growth phase of uh, uh, growth phase for twenty percent longer. So that is that's actually quite a big deal. And uh, if you think about the fact that in summer a lot of people notice that in summer, well, for you it would be your. I guess it would be winter, right? In December for you, uh, Antipodeans, um, that's your summer. But when you have a lot of exposure to sunlight and, um, you know, to good, sort of good growing conditions, your hair grows faster. And taking spermidine seems to improve that as well. And when hair is in the antigen or the growth phase, a couple of important things happen. For one thing, the epithelial stem cells are active at that point in time. So that's a good thing. We all know stem cells equals good thing, right? Um, That means more prolific hair, but it also means melanogenesis. Mm. And that means the production of melanin. So Uh, I do, um, we've had, uh, you know, we've had customers send in photos. And I'm not going to say that this is every single customer. These are, and they've, they've been women who have sent it. And I haven't seen this with men yet, but we've had a few women customers send in photos of their hairline sort of here that had been gray before that has now started to turn. Uh, their original hair color again, mm-hmm. and the only way that I can explain that is because of the um, the extended length in the antigen phase improvement, or just you know twenty percent greater opportunity to produce melanin. It's that's the only reason I can think of why that would be happening again. Mm. Uh, We also get people talking about um, their eyelashes lengthening. That did happen to me being a, uh, you know, I'm half Chinese and I don't, my eyelashes have never been super prominent. And I did, uh, you know, after washing my face one day, sort of looked in the mirror and thought, what is going on there? That just looks really odd, you know? (laughs) So I certainly experienced that myself. Um, We've had a few um, male customers. We had this period where we had a huge run on our our primadine product. And very unfortunately, just because the logistics supply chains are very messed up right now because of the pandemic, it was very hard for us to restock. And we had some men write to us to say, where is my primadine? You know, you can't be sold out because I'm getting new growth and I need to keep this up. So uh, it definitely seems to reduce hair fall. Mm. Um, some men say it seems to help with new growth, other men uh, say that it simply stops hair fall. Mm. Um, but it, it definitely has an impact there. It also has an impact on nail growth might not be something that guys are interested in but for women who tend to like to grow their nails out longer uh, where they can then get very fragile this could be you know could be a benefit and uh, we did do studies in animals on that with our product specifically just to validate that so we know that that is a that is a definite benefit Mm. um so for me having a product that is changing, uh, that is allowing the hair to grow faster, that is allowing the nails to grow faster. It always makes me wonder what is happening on the inside. Yeah. If I'm seeing this on the outside, what are the benefits on the inside? Mm. And I think that those are much more profound and it's the autophagy really. Mm. Um, We have heard from our clinicians that visceral fat seems to be improved um, by taking uh, our our primatine supplement. And uh, that could be because, um, according to Katja, that is because of the lipophagy. So, you know, we talk about autophagy, which is self-eating of the cell, but actually, there are other things that spermidine does. They also promote something called lipophagy, which is uh, the eating of these lipids, so they don't oxidize. Yeah. Um, we've had some people talk about cellulite reduction. Again, this, these are all anecdotal. So no, I don't think anybody's done studies on spermidine and cellulite, but these are anecdotal. And whenever I have asked Katcha, she'd say, well, that's the lipophagy bit of it. But spermidine also triggers something called mitophagy, which is the renewal and repair of the mitochondria. So I mentioned earlier that um, mitochondria are the powerhouses of our cell. It's where we get our energy from. And um, mitophagy makes sure that our mitochondria are youthful and performing at their optimal
1: best. Amazing, amazing. Um, I was just uh, I was skimming through some of the research before before this call, and um, also forgot to mention to my listeners that the spermidine itself has some up and coming research for insulin resistance as well. Insulin resistance and and diabetes. I saw a few studies there about um, exogenous spermidine improving glucose utilization, decreasing body weight in mice. Um, so that's another huge benefit, I think, for many people.
0: There's a lot of exciting research that's coming down the track. I mean, I will, it's important for me to say that there have been a lot of studies done in animals. Those are what are known as preclinical trials. And you always start with the animal trials and You know in mice and then you work your way up to in vitro with human cells and then in vivo with the clinical studies with humans themselves and uh, these are all happening right now which is why it's very exciting to see what's what's going on with this i think the the research is just going to explode on this Mm. and we do see great results in individuals but because it's a lot of N equals one, those aren't the types of studies where we could make claims. Hmm.
1: Amazing. What about your, do you want to share with my listeners, your um, sleep experiment? The other, I think it was a few weeks ago. um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's right. So I think I was in fact talking to you (laughs) very late one night and because we're recording this right now it's the middle of the night probably people can see that i'm really tired but uh, we did a call maybe a week or two weeks ago and it was much later than this i think and i thought wow i've got these bright lights just like i do now i have one of these circle rings shining light at me and i also have the laptop shining this bright light at me and i thought oh, i'm really gonna get rubbish sleep tonight um that night I took my usual stack. So I will say my usual sleep stack it is not just spermidine. I am a postmenopausal woman and I know the benefit of progesterone. So I do take progesterone. I take a, about a milligram of melatonin and I take magnesium uh, glycinate. So I take those, but I also take Spermidine right before bed as part of my stack. And I doubled the amount because I just thought, I think I need it tonight. And that night I got, I posted it on my Instagram. I think I got over two hours of deep sleep, which is fantastic. For me, I feel that anyone over the age of 50, as long as we get over 90 minutes of deep sleep, we are good. And the reason that deep sleep is important is because that is when the glymphatic system is activated and uh, the compartments of the brain actually shrink. And you have these little channels like little rivers that appear and take away the waste. But they also believe the researchers at Cornell who did this, um, who discovered the glymphatic system, also believe that nutrients are escorted uh, to the brain this way as well. So deep sleep Uh, In particular, to postmenopausal women, because we have twice the chance of getting Alzheimer's that men do, uh, it is really important that we get our deep sleep.
1: Mm. You mentioned um, the glymphatic glymphatic drainage. Um, Did you ever get into inclined bed therapy by any chance?
0: No, but I saw that you had a post on it. And strangely enough, it's something my mom does.
1: Really?
0: (laughs) Yeah. She's been doing it for years. And I mean, for me to do it, I would have to persuade my husband to do it too. And I don't think that would be very easy (laughs) because he already puts up a lot with a lot with my chili pad, with my red light box. Um, But yeah, I'm curious. Tell me about that. Does that help with deep sleep?
1: Um, well, I, I, th- I, can't remember when I first started doing it, but I remember, um, just waking sometimes in the morning, I'll wake up with a bit of like a heavy head feeling that's uh, usually like dehydration yeah. or low sodium or low blood pressure. Um, uh-huh. uh, found that that improved that immediately. So, um, yeah, that was quite good, but then it's also really beneficial for reflux and heartburn because I've got like a, hi- that makes sense. yeah, i got a hiatus hernia. So like, that's just I've had it for my whole life. I think that that would have probably helped that process itself. But there's so many amazing reports online about the benefits of inclined bed therapy
0: I have heard about it, and I would love to experiment. Um, I would have to, um, I would have to kick my husband out that first in order to do it. But yes, maybe next time I travel and uh, I get to a hotel, I'll bring something. You just use what are you using? Just some kind of uh, razors, bed razors?
1: I'm actually using the um, the old high school textbooks that I performed the worst at.
0: <laughs> perfect that sounds like a very good uh, utilization of that information
1: yeah so drama the drama and music textbooks the ones that
0: oh, but those are the important ones for uh for good dreams right <laughs> yeah. yeah well yeah the glymphatic system is uh it's it's incredibly important deep sleep is incredibly important i meet so many people who struggle with sleep and that's why um for those individuals who can actually take spermidine right before bed, it does seem to have a a benefit. Mm. Uh, You know, some people are sensitive to it. They can't take it on an (coughs) empty stomach. They might have um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And if that's the case, then the best time to take it would be with food at dinner time and one should still be able to see a nice bump up in deep sleep that way. Um, but yes, actually, I think pretty much everybody in the company takes it right before, right before bed.
1: So what about, let's hear some, some other like testimonials from clients or customers that you've like some crazy stories you've heard from those that have used spermidine. Like, I'd love to just explore some of those.
0: Well, You know, some of the best are ones that I can't really talk about because they have medical, there, there, there are real serious health things and, um, it's, it would not be, uh, you know, it would not be, it's not, I just can't talk about it because of the FDA and the FTC regulations. That means that we are limited to talking about things like uh, improved sleep promotion. Um, we had one from a fellow, I mean, we have reviews, we don't have a lot because we're a young company, we only launched in October. And we had a great review from a fellow who is over 50 and who never really got you know, great sleep and who he added it to his stack. So he had, he had some other things in his stack. I think some B vitamins, which was interesting. I've never added B vitamins to my stack, but that was part of his nighttime stack. And he added the spermidine to it. And he also said he had really outstanding sleep. We've had people uh, tell us that just the very first night that they take it, they see the results on their aura ring. Mm. And uh, we've had... Uh, a number of postmenopausal women or menopausal women who have said that they also see it the very first night, You know, they might have gotten 15 minutes of deep sleep. It's very disturbing to them. They can see that they've got this problem on their aura ring or on their Fitbit. They take the spermidine and boom, that night they get an hour uh, and 15 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes of deep sleep. So that's really gratifying. In terms of their testimonials, are, we do have some good ones. I'm just, I'm trying to think of how to how to frame them. Um, I suppose we've had individuals who said that um, their doctors have said that they've that they are more heart healthy now. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's the best way to say it that uh, they seem to have had promotion of heart health. We know that it helps with memory. There have been clinical trials conducted on improvement in memory, Mm. uh, subjective cognitive decline. So that was over the course of 90 days, taking a milligram of spermidine every day. And the subjects were, I believe, an age from 65 to 85. And uh, after just 90 days, they felt that they no longer had those moments where they were wondering where they put their keys or where did they put their glasses, right? And um, so we know that it helps with that. Um, There has been a really, really interesting study on hormones. Mm -hmm. And that was done... Uh, with men and women and it showed in particular that it reduced cortisol after only 30 days. So cortisol, we need cortisol. It's always, uh, you know, a lot of people demonize cortisol. Well, we need some cortisol, otherwise we would fall over in the morning when we tried to stand up out of bed. The problem is when we have chronically elevated cortisol, right? Because cortisol is made from progesterone, which is a sleep hormone, and it robs us of that important progesterone we need for sleep. And both men and women need progesterone for sleep. But um the cortisol levels reduced around 58% wow. after just 30 days. Yeah, it was very, very quick. Um and the uh the benefits actually lasted as well for a few weeks following that. It also seemed to help normalize DHEA, pregnenolone, estradiol, testosterone, progesterone, which uh, is really intriguing. And I would like to see, that was a small study. I would like to see a larger clinical study with that. Uh, It was in a slightly higher amount of spermidine But it's uh, it's nevertheless fascinating to um, and encouraging to see studies like that. And of course, there have been epidemiological studies. We, um, you know, I spoke about the blue zones earlier. We know these are the people in Icaria, uh, in Sardinia, uh, Okinawa and Loma Linda in uh, near Los Angeles. And all of the diets of these individuals what they have in common is high spermidine intake. Mm. All these groups have a high plant intake and uh, plants have high amounts of spermidine in them.
1: Mm. So what about in terms of like dosages? Because I know the um, your spermidine capsules are one milligram per capsule. Is that correct?
0: That's right. Uh, one milligram per dose. So it's three capsules. Um, for a dose, and uh, it's one. It will contain a standardized dose of one milligram of spermidine, and then we also include prebiotics that fructo oligosaccharides that will selectively feed the fusobacteria and the bacteroides bacteria that the gut uses to produce spermidine itself. Mm. So it's. Supplemental spermidine plus a prebiotic to help promote your body's own production.
1: Mm. And in terms of, because um, I know some listeners are going to want to know about the toxicity of spermidine in terms of the clinical trial so far, I'd imagine it's got a very high LD50 or something.
0: Well, it's, um, you know, the safety studies are, are, are very, you know, they're good and um, It is it is very safe because it's in the food supply. It's everywhere in the food supply. We've been eating it for thousands of years. And, um, you know, if we look at the diet of the average Brit or the average American, sorry, I don't know about the average uh, Kiwi or Aussie, but they get around eight milligrams of spermidine on average in their diet. Now, if you think about that, that's an average that includes kids, that includes older people. And so I would guess that if we were to just take older people, you know, say those who are 40 and above out of that, we would find that they're getting even less spermidine in their diet. Mm -hmm. Um, As a result, just supplementing with a little is really meaningful. And, At the same time, you know, we, we've talked about safety. The European Food Safety Agency has said that uh, supplemental spermidine up to six milligrams per day is not a problem. The FDA in the United States has not made any pronouncements around it. But then again, uh, you know, ours is a food derived supplement. It's not synthetic. This is in the food supply. So there's, it's already out there. And uh, it's just that people don't always get it from uh, enough from their diet because of the choices they make or the constraints on their time. They aren't able to get this. So this is just a way to get that standardized amount into your diet on a regular basis so that autophagy can continually happen.
1: Awesome. Okay. Um, I got another question. Do you feel like there's going to be any other areas of research that you're really sort of excited to see more of, like in this sort of space? Like what are you really excited to see more of?
0: Um, I'd like to see more research on heart health and um, in particular, um, cholesterol and blood pressure. And I think the results I imagine I hope I'm not getting into trouble. I see. I'm always thinking, am I going to get in trouble for saying this? I believe that the results will be encouraging. We have to wait for the studies to bear that out. Um, but I think that could look, uh, that would look great. You mentioned insulin resistance. That would be really exciting because both of those heart issues and uh, insulin issues contribute to the chronic Um, you know, the chronic disease epidemic that we've got. If I look at the amount of money that the United States alone spends on healthcare, okay, they overspend compared to other countries. But in 2019, the United States spent 38 trillion US dollars on healthcare. 99% of the Medicare budget goes to just paying for the maintenance of chronic illness in the United States. Uh, around 85 to 95% of that $38 trillion total is about chronic disease management. Now, of course, autoimmune issues are in there too. As an autoimmune survivor, I'm very keen to see how spermidine might help. I don't know if it will. I know that spermidine is anti-inflammatory and that's good. I don't know specifically how it compares to other things, right? Fish oil is anti-inflammatory too, was one of the things that I took a lot of when I was trying to treat myself. So I don't know how it compares with other things. And that's the kind of research that I hope will come out in the future so that we have a better idea of it. Um, On the other hand, I do want autophagy to be triggered. Uh, you know, given my age, I'm a much older mom. I want to be around for my kids, and so it's important to me that I do have that cellular renewal and repair going on, so I can be more youthful for them as they, you know, as I get older. If there are these added, um, you know, these additional benefits, fabulous. But I do it for the autophagy.
1: Amazing. Yeah, you've done such a great job at breaking down a lot of the, the benefits of spermidine. So for those listening in, if they want to learn more about spermidine, I'll make sure to include all the research, all these studies that Leslie's talking about on my website. I think you said you're going to be updating your website soon as well?
0: We are. We are. Exactly. There's also, uh, there is also another website called aboutspermidine.com that has some of the research on it. Um, so there are some things there that, um, you know, I'm not able to talk about, but where you could find some of these studies and there, you know, there are other, there are other places that have, uh, this kind of information. I mean, spermidine is really, the research has really started to explode. Mm. There was one where I forgot to say, there was a fantastic study that came out of Korea a few weeks ago. So for the women in the audience, although I guess there might be some guys who'd be interested. Um, The Korean team discovered that topical spermidine actually turns on genes that upregulate the production of collagen, elastin, and fibrin. These are all things that will help keep wrinkles at bay, right? We want strong uh, production of those three compounds. And one thing that you can do is you could take one of our capsules just open it and take half the amount and simply rub it in with your serum and put it on your face. It will be a little tight. You could start with even just a quarter of the amount in a capsule. And, um, and then just leave it on in a mask overnight. Um, initially it feels a little gritty but it kind of melts once it's in the serum and uh, we have had reports of uh, some instagram followers who've said yeah it actually works it helps with you know with making the skin um you know more glowy in the morning now it's nighttime for me so i don't think it's going to help but um i did like that research because yeah, okay, it's great that the inside looks good, but I think everybody wants to age and at least look vital outside too, right?
1: Of course. And it's a, always a um a good representation of how the inner organs and and uh, other like efficiency of other m- metabolic parameters are. So um yeah, that's that's You're always-
0: absolutely right. You're that's- absolutely right.
1: Hmm. And the, um, the other benefit you mentioned earlier on was the wound healing aspect as well, right?
0: So I, um, I didn't mention wound healing, but I have had other people talk about it. And this would be under N equals 1. Now, if we know from that study out of Korea that it helps with collagen, it helps upregulate collagen, elastin, and fibrin production, well, then I could imagine it would help with wound he- healing as well.
1: So. Mm-hmm amazing. All right. well Leslie, was there any other final points or things you think people should know about spermidine itself before they rush to? <laughs> um,
0: I think that's I think that's probably it. That's it, probably as much as, as I can handle at 9:30 pm. in the you know uh, in the evening, but um, let's keep the conversation going.
1: Absolutely. Well, guys, thanks for listening in. If you're looking to purchase this spermidine, I'm going to be listing it. It's already on my website at the moment. Um, I already did a little shout out on my newsletter. Um, so if those that are interested in, in you know using spermidine for whatever purposes, Leslie's mentioned either longevity, just promoting good health, um, you'll be able to find that on my website. Um, and Leslie, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Lucas. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thank you everyone for joining in to today's episode. For in-depth show notes and lessons learned, visit nofilter.media forward slash boost your biology.